0: Well, hi, everybody. My name is Louise Gibbon, for those of you who don't know me, and I serve on the leadership team and the staff team of Common Ground Church. And it's a real privilege to be sharing God's Word with you today as we're in this Christmas season and we're anticipating uh, the birth of Christ, the arrival of Christ, and what a sense of expectation and excitement is growing in us. And so appropriately, as we head towards Christmas, we're in this series called Gift. Gift. And we've been looking at the story surrounding Jesus' birth, and we've been looking at it through this lens of the unusual and the unexpected gifts that God gives us. And so the title of today's message is The Gift of the Interrupted Life. And what an appropriate message to share, you know, as we kind of think about this crazy corona year of 2020, an interrupted life. That's something that we can all relate to. Um, A year ago, December 2019, as people were looking forward to this year, these were some of the things they had in mind. According to the reliable source of Google, the top 10 resolutions for 2020 were these. To exercise more, save money, eat more healthily, lose weight, reduce stress, get more sleep, stick to a budget, focus on my spiritual growth, travel more, and learn a new skill. And so just take a moment to evaluate your year against these expectations, these resolutions for what the year would hold. You know, some of them have definitely happened, but not quite in the way that we would have anticipated. Look at number 10, learn a new skill. Just think back to lockdown where there was this weird fascination with baking with sourdough. That definitely happened. And number one, exercising, eating more healthily, three and four, lose weight. Well, I know a heap of people who actually ended up the year far more healthy and fit than when they came into the year. But some, some of these things haven't happened at all. Number five, reduce stress. That didn't happen. Number nine, travel more. No, certainly that didn't happen. I'm going to show you a couple of memes which perhaps reflect the year a little bit more accurately. Here we are, all of us learning how to work from home a very different dynamic. We had to learn how to become Zoom efficient and uh, the difference of appearance versus reality in those uh, situations. And finally, our adjusted travel plans for the year where we didn't perhaps get to travel as much or as far as we would have liked. Expectations versus reality. You know, even as we head towards celebrating Christmas this week, we can have this This ideal picture, this expectation of how it's going to all work out. So in my mind, I picture it. And my extended family are all going to get on beautifully. And my children, well, they are going to behave splendidly. They're going to love and serve each other. Um, The food, the food, well, that's going to be fun to make. And although it's simple and fuss-free, it's going to end up just tasting delicious and looking beautiful. We're going to go to church together. We're going to enjoy such a rich community time. And then after lunch, which, you know, we'll just love and enjoy, then the kids will clean up. I won't need to prompt them. They'll just do that spontaneously while the adults have deep and meaningful conversations. And all of this while I enjoy such a a deep sense of God's presence and, and I ponder the true meaning of the day. Well, we all know that just like 2020, in reality, the day is probably going to go very differently There's not going to be much love between my kids. Maybe it feels more like I'm mediating World War III. And uh, we can't even go to church because of COVID. So I'm trying to download the video and not get too distracted and watch it online. And my extended family, well, by the time I serve the dinner, which by the way, doesn't turn out at all like I expect because the December temperatures have messed up all my uh, fail-proof recipes... I serve the dinner, my family aren't even speaking to each other anymore, or maybe they're fighting about politics or about sport. And by the end of the day, I'm completely exhausted and frazzled, and the true meaning of the day is completely lost on me. So maybe that's a humorous scenario where things didn't turn out quite like we imagined or quite like we'd hoped. But I know that many of us are facing um, a reality that's far more heartbreaking. You know, we, we are facing a lot more tragedy and heartache than we imagined when we began this year. I know that many people have experienced some tough things this year, from career stalling, businesses failing, um, an unexpected health diagnosis, or losing a loved one early and unexpectedly due to COVID or another illness or an accident. There are some devastating realities that people are walking through or they are walking with loved ones as they go through them. And we can relate to this idea of the interrupted life, but seeing it as a gift, I'm I'm not sure many of us would agree with that. And so today we're going to look at the birth of Jesus, and we're going to look at it through this lens of the gift of the interrupted life. We're going to read together the account of Mary and Joseph's life interruption. And I've asked Sharon, who's part of our Bosch AM community, to do the reading for us today.
1: Luke one 26-38 In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, answered Mary. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
0: Today's message is in two parts. In the first part, I'm going to explore three points about interruptions. And then the second part, which is a lot shorter, we're going to look at three lessons to learn. So let's dive right into the first point. And my first point is interruptions happen. Interruptions happen. You know, they're a natural part of life. The word interrupted means to come between, to break. And it's the one thing that we can count on, that interruptions will come in and break up our plans And hasn't that been one of the main lessons of 2020? You know, that we had these plans, but they didn't come to fruition as we had expected, or as we would have liked. There are things that we just can't control. And in a sense, we should expect the unexpected. If we look at Mary and Joseph, we see these two lives that are radically interrupted, so here's Mary. She's young. She's probably somewhere between 15 and 20 years old. And although she, we pick up that she's, she is a spiritual person, she's also a perfectly normal young girl. And she has the same kind of dreams that any girl of her age in this time would have had. And so we pick up the story. She's engaged. She's betrothed to Joseph. They're committed, they're promised in this covenant. And although the marriage ceremony still needs to take place, in the eyes of the law, they're as good as married. And so we can imagine Mary's sense of excitement and anticipation that here is Joseph and he's a good man. He's got a trade. He's in good standing in the community. You know, he's the right age and stage of life. And he has an incredible family pedigree because he comes from the line of David. David. And he has the approval from her parents. And so all the boxes are checked. But then, boom, suddenly God steps into her life and he does something entirely different and entirely dramatic. An angel appears to Mary and he tells her that instead of this beautifully laid out plan, her life is about to be turned completely upside down with this out of wedlock teen pregnancy Because God has chosen her. Well, you can kind of imagine her reaction. How is she going to explain this pregnancy to Joseph? Is he going to believe her? How will she tell other people? How will she tell her parents? What will other people think? Will Joseph even be willing to take her on and take on the responsibility of this child? This is most certainly not in her plan. This is an interruption. And right now, I'm not sure that she would see it as a gift. Mary is a perfectly normal young lady. She's not some nun living in a convent. She's this teenager and she's happily engaged to this young man called Joseph. She has ordinary plans, but this normal and ordinary life is interrupted because God breaks in and there's a visit from an angel. And the Christian life is like this. You know, we we live in our normal life and we have our own plans and our own desires and our own dreams. But right alongside this, God is working and he has a plan and his will is in action. And at any point, because God is at work, he can break into our very ordinary and normal lives and do something amazing. So this brings me to my second point, that interruptions happen, but it's how we respond to them that is key. It's how we respond to them that is key. So let's look at how both Mary and Joseph respond to this startling news, this kind of unbelievable announcement. And we start with Mary because her response is incredible. You know, she doesn't understand everything that's been said, but she, she leans in to try and figure out what's going on. So in verse 29, we read, Mary was greatly troubled. Another version says she was startled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Another version says she tried to figure out what this greeting meant. How will this be? Mary asks, since I am a virgin. And so we see that Mary takes her fears and takes her questions, and she processes them by pressing in, by trying to find out more. And then we see how she beautifully accepts what she senses is God's will for her life. And there's that beautiful prayer of surrender, where she says in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So she's willing to let God do in her and through her what he wants to achieve his will. We're going to come back to Mary in more detail later because there's a lot more to learn from her. But let's now look at how Joseph responded because I think his response is probably a little bit more like ours, it's a little bit more typical of how I think we respond. So Joseph doesn't believe Mary when he tells her this news. And in a sense, we can't blame him. How could he believe it? What an unbelievable announcement it is. And so we can imagine his devastation because his plans for this life, for this this new family that he's going to start with her, well, those plans are also dashed. His plans, his dreams have been shattered And so we read in Matthew 1 how Joseph responds. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. If we're not careful, our response to an interruption can send us down the wrong path. And that's what almost happens to Joseph. He almost takes that, that wrong path. And although we can completely understand why he would have done that, it still was the wrong path. When he discovered her pregnancy, imagine his devastation. And in his mind, there's nothing to do but to divorce her. Because this betrothal, this ancient engagement, it was far more binding than today's engagements. And the only way out of this engagement was to divorce her. And in fact, in those days, infidelity, adultery, unfaithfulness, this would have been a capital offence. And Mary would have been stoned to death if Joseph had reported her. And so he decides to divorce her privately. And he has good intentions here. He doesn't want to harm her. He doesn't want to embarrass her. And so he's going to divorce her. And it was Joseph's kind of human response to this powerful interaction. And we can understand it. But what a mistake it would have been. And often an interruption brings about this kind of knee-jerk reaction in us where we react without really thinking things through because we're responding out of our fears. We're responding out of our feelings. And we make, decision that, we make decisions that perhaps we wouldn't if, if we'd thought about them a bit more or if we were better informed. And Joseph also reacts without first taking it to God. It's a very human response that we see. He doesn't seek God's wisdom. He doesn't seek God's perspective. He makes his own plan. And how often do we do the same? You know, we we react and we respond, but it's according to our own understanding. And so we come up with a solution that makes the most sense to us. But when we face interruptions that are life-changing, that are life-altering, first and foremost, we should take them to God and we should ask for his wisdom. And we should ask for his perspective. And thankfully, God interrupts Joseph again. And so we read on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph wakes up with a changed mind. He's not gonna divorce Mary. And he'll take her as his wife, and he's going to help to raise this child. And so we see that here, Joseph has gotten God's perspective on the situation. And so Joseph also reveals himself as a man of faith, as a man who is willing to obey and willing to surrender his plans to the call of God in his life. And before we continue, I'd I'd love us to just pause here, because as I was preparing, I was thinking that there there might be some people who as we started to explore this story, maybe you've been thinking of an interruption in your own life. And it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't what you planned. It certainly wasn't what you would have chosen. And as you think about that interruption, maybe there's bitterness or resentment or even a, a deep sense of disappointment. And as you consider that interruption, you know that your response has been more like that knee-jerk reaction. Your response has been to respond out of your own feelings and out of your own opinion. And maybe you've even come up with a solution that is all your own. You haven't taken it to God. And you haven't prayed about it. And you haven't sought His wisdom and His perspective on the situation. And I just want us to create a moment here where you can... Just bring that before God and maybe pray and confess that to him. We don't want to rush past a moment like this. So I'm just going to create a gap and then I'll pray for us. Your Lord, your word tells us that we are not to lean on our own understanding And we just confess that there's so many times that we do that. We respond out of our own feelings, out of our own understanding. We come up with a solution that is actually all about us. And so today we want to come to you. We want to seek your will. We want to ask for your perspective. And so I pray for each situation that has come to mind in these moments. Each situation where perhaps an interruption has been perceived in a way that is resentful where there's disappointment and there's bitterness. And we bring those things before you. And we ask that you help us to see these things from your perspective as an interruption from you. Amen. And so that brings me to my third point, which is that interruptions are not detours or distractions on the journey. They are the journey. You know, they're a chance to see God's sovereign plan at work. They're a chance for us to experience God's presence as we journey with Him. And often they're a chance for God to do a deep work in us. Interruptions are often the way that God gets our attention. You know, often these interruptions remind us that there is a God and that He has a plan. And we we get perspective on what really matters because we can get distracted by life, but often in these interruptions, we, we get a sense, oh, there's a plan at work that is bigger than our own plan. And so for some of you who are listening today, I really sense that God wants you to hear this, that he has interrupted your life because he wants to get your attention. He has things to say to you. He has things to do in you. He wants to break in. He is at work, he has a plan, and he is inviting you to join him in that. And maybe for some of you today, you're not, you're not a Christ follower. And maybe you're listening in today because you're wanting to find out more. And I sense that God would also say that to you, that He has interrupted your life because He wants to get your attention. This word sovereign, it means a supreme being, an ultimate being. And so when we talk about a sovereign plan, we're talk, talking about a plan that is above every other plan. It's above all circumstances, And so we see that Mary and Joseph are part of a bigger plan. There's a sovereign plan at work. This wasn't to be the only obstacle, the only interruption that they face. No sooner has Joseph decided he will take Mary on, then they are told in her third trimester that they need to travel to Bethlehem because there's a national census. And so we read in Luke 2, Well, we don't like pregnant women to travel on an airplane at this stage of their pregnancy. But here we see Mary and Joseph piling luggage onto a donkey and they need to travel to Bethlehem because of the census. James Strange, a professor of the New Testament and biblical archaeology, he describes how the trip would have been about 145 kilometers of traveling. And here's a simple map which kind of plots their journey. It's like us going from here to Paternoster. But Mary and Joseph don't get to take the R27. No, the area that they were traveling through was very uphill and downhill. And you can see that it would have taken them through the Judean desert. And it was winter, so it would have been cold and rainy. And so to protect themselves, Mary and Joseph would have had to carry heavy clothing and shoes. And not only are they dealing with harsh terrain, it's unpaved, it's hilly, and the weather is harsh and not favorable at all, But as they travel through that valley area, it's heavily forested. And so there are other hazards. Travelers would have reported encountering lions and bears and wild boars. This is not an easy trip. And then when they arrive in Bethlehem, we know that the hardships don't end. In a normal situation, Mary and Joseph would have um, stayed with a relative or another Jewish family. But because of the census, Bethlehem is overcrowded, and so they have to seek lodging in a, in a primitive inn. For Mary and Joseph, though, what is actually happening is that all these things are in line with ancient prophecies. And so we look back and we're able to see that these seemingly uncontrollable circumstances, these seemingly inconvenient circumstances, are actually God's perfect plan, God's sovereign plan in action. And so if we look at just a couple of the prophecies, in Isaiah 7, it's prophesied, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. And in Micah 5, Micah prophesies that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, though you are small, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel. And there was also this promise in the Old Testament that although the kings in the line of David had ceased to function, God was actually still watching over that line. And there was a promise that one day God's royal savior would come from the line of David. And at the time of our story, the line of David is completely humiliated and despised. And no one is expecting any king to come out of this line anytime soon. And anyway, the people kind of were expecting that the son of David was going to be a soldier politician who would save Israel by driving out the ruling Roman Empire and her armies. God's sovereign plan is not what we would expect. It is surprising. You know, God's about to send his son. And what does he do? He chooses this despised country. He chooses Israel. And he chooses this despised area of the country, Galilee. And then he chooses this very unimportant village, Nazareth. And he chooses not a famous rich man, not uh, an important politician. He chooses an obscure teenage girl. But this teenage girl is engaged to be married to someone from the house of David. He chooses a surprising country, a surprising area, a surprising village. He chooses the surprising girl And he chooses the surprising method. It's a miraculous birth. She's conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's miraculous. God's sovereign and surprising plan is at work. And the surprises continue because as the plan unfolds, it's still not exactly what Mary and Joseph would have planned or expected. And so we read on in Matthew 2. When they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, that's referring to Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. And so instead of raising their child in Bethlehem or back in Nazareth, God calls Joseph and Mary to Egypt, far away, somewhere where it's safe. But it means that for the first few years of Jesus' life, they are living as refugees in a foreign land. Mary had just had her first child. She would want to be near her mom, near her family. And any of, any of you who've done that, you've raised a child away from your, your own family, or away from your own mother, you know how hard that can be. And so we see that Mary and Joseph aren't spared these hardships, even though their son was the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. And sometimes interruptions are not what we would ask for. They're not what we would wish for. You know, maybe you've had to uproot your family and you've had to relocate for reasons beyond your control. Or maybe like Mary and Joseph, you've had to escape in fear for your life and you've had to begin again in a place where you are unknown or unconnected. Often there are changes and there's loss and there's hardship. And we, we, we struggle with that because we see that life and our plan A, you know, it's been interrupted. But as we see from Mary and Joseph, it was actually God's plan A that was at work. These things are not distractions or detours on the journey. They are the journey. And so to close, I want to, in this final part, just look once more at Mary's response and what we can learn from her. And so here are three lessons from Mary to remember when we encounter an interaction. And so the first lesson is to pray and pursue God's presence. When our life is interrupted, to actually the first thing we do, not the last resort, but the first thing to stop and to pray, to pray for guidance to pray for wisdom and discernment, to pray for courage, to pray for help, you know, to invite God in. Mary does this. She leans in. She asks questions of that angel. We're told that she is someone who ponders things in her heart. And then she prays that beautiful prayer of surrender. And as we encounter interruptions, They're going to be unpredictable. They're going to be inconvenient. Often they are uncomfortable. Whatever those interruptions may be, may we be the kind of people who just like Mary, we don't simply react according to our own feelings or our own fears or our own thoughts, but we are those who pause and pray and seek God's presence and seek God's peace. That we look for the sovereign plan being worked out. Although I know we often can't see it, but we look for the things that God wants to do in us and through us and the things that he would want to say to us. And Mary's response is this beautiful reminder to ground ourselves in God, in his presence, in his peace. In Jesus' language, he speaks about us abiding to, to make our home in God, that we come to rest in God and then he comes to rest in us. The second lesson is one of praise and gratitude. So in Luke 1, Mary's song is recorded. It's called the Magnificat, which in Latin means to magnify, to glorify, to exalt. In a sense, it's her hymn of praise where she's singing to God and glorifying him for blessing her and for blessing the nation of Israel. So let's read that. It says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. "'For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. "'From now on, all generations will call me blessed, "'for the mighty one has done great things for me. "'Holy is his name. "'His mercy extends to those who fear him "'from generation to generation. "'He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. "'He has scattered those who are proud "'in the inmost thoughts. "'He has brought down rulers from their thrones, "'but has lifted up the humble. "'He has filled the hungry with good things.'" But has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And so there's this beautiful song where Mary worships God because of who he is, his character, his mercy, his faithfulness. And she also worships God because of what he's done to her personally and for the nation of Israel. And she is recalling these things to mind and she's remembering God's provision and she's declaring that God is in control. She's come to the place where she's able to sing this beautiful song despite her less than ideal circumstances. And I know that this is probably the one that's been particularly challenging us, challenging for us this year. It's been a tough year. There's been hardships and heartaches. There's been challenges. We're dealing with continual change. It's been hard to be grateful people. But here we see this powerful reminder to see and to notice, to appreciate and to celebrate who God is and what he's done, to be like Mary and to be thankful, to be grateful, no matter what the situation is around us. And so the last thing that we learn from Mary is obedience and surrender. Obedience and surrender. You know, Mary's prayer is beautiful. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your will. It's such a brave sentence. It's such a brave thing to pray. You know, she doesn't know everything that's about to happen to her. When she, when she prays this prayer, she doesn't even know if Joseph is going to accept her. She doesn't know yet, but she places her life in the hands of the one who does know. And she's open to cooperate with God and his plan and his will for her life. She cooperates, she doesn't close herself off, she doesn't resist God's plan or his will for her. And as we encounter interruptions, could we be like Mary? Could we pray that same kind of prayer? If you say so God, I will, even if it interrupts my plans. Interruptions can totally redirect our lives. If we look at Mary and Joseph, that's what happened. Their plans are radically interrupted but what an interruption. They get this incredible privilege of being the human parents of the son of God. Sure, they had a plan, but this plan was so much better, so much richer, so much more. We see that they actually did experience the gift of an interrupted life. Have you considered that God might want to do something similar for you? That you have a plan but as he interrupts your life, as he causes things to go in a different direction, in a new direction, that, that new plan, that new path is so much better, so much richer, so much deeper. As we reflect on these three lessons from Mary, just in closing, maybe just take a moment to do a little bit of a self-audit, which is the one that God might be highlighting for you personally. Maybe he wants to encourage you to a deeper sense of prayer, a deeper sense of God's presence, the things he wants you to bring to him. Maybe it's that fresh levels of praise and gratitude. And in fact, next Sunday, our meeting is going to be all about that. We're going to take a moment to pause and to reflect and to express our thanksgiving and our gratitude to God. Or maybe it's that third one that he's calling you to fresh levels of obedience and surrender. So today we've explored how interruptions happen and it's how we respond to these interruptions that is so key. Because these interruptions are not detours, they're not distractions from the journey, they are the journey. And so as we encounter these interruptions, may we be the kind of people who respond like Mary did. We respond through prayer. We respond through pursuing God's presence. We respond through praise and gratitude. And we respond through obedience and surrender as we cooperate with God and what he wants to do in and through us. This is the gift of the interrupted life. Let's pray together. Today, Lord, we have been inspired by Mary and Joseph. We've been inspired by the way they responded to your interactions. We thank you that you've given us really human examples. We can relate to Joseph. We don't always get it right first time. We're so quick to jump in and respond out of our our human understanding and out of our human effort. But Lord, we we pray that you would make us a people who are attentive to what you are doing in these interactions, who are attentive to your prompting to your direction, to what you would want to say to us and do in us as we go through life, as we encounter these moments of you breaking in. May we be the kind of people who are responsive and soft-hearted and who lean in and cooperate with what you are doing in and through us. Thank you for this reminder as we go into this week, a busy week, we pray for that sense of your presence with us as we anticipate your coming and the celebration of your coming, we pray that we're a people of expectation and a people of hope. Thank you, Father.
1: Amen.